Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noll, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Gorilla Liam, you are the co-founder and CEO of CustomCreatives.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about, let's start, let's start off with you and your background. What's your background? Well, my company is in marketing and essentially building a business is on the background of sales and client acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, since we've worked with like public companies, private companies, small mom, pause, um, we've even started coaching other people how to develop and scale their own marketing agencies. Um, so we've kind of learned the whole 360 degree world of business, um, which which comes as a surprise when you're starting one. Um, so so our, our main specialty, what people come to us for is client acquisition. And then essentially we become like almost like a fractional chief marketing team for them. We build in like systems and processes and really kind of understand their customer's journey. So we can become a little bit more than what's on the surface level of what people are typically searching for. They're typically looking for somebody to say, bring me some leads, rank me on Google, (laughs) run some Facebook ads. But what they're really asking for is how do I increase my revenue? And ultimately we put together a product and service that serves those types of people. What kind of, what kind of clients do you have? It's broad. It started off niche-based because there's niches and riches. And once we found our footing and we made some good money, we can make a repeatable process, train people and ascend people um, from a skill level and a leadership level. Um, We went a little bit broader um, into a diverse portfolio of clients. So we have like lawyers, we have dentists, we have our competitors, coaches, consultants. It's really more of like, not to sound too corny on this, but is like, who's a good fit and who's ready? Uh, because some people that are too early stage, and that may exclude certain people, like maybe a nail salon, they wouldn't be a right fit for us because we may not be able to develop the ROI based on what it takes from a spend perspective, unless they had the mindset of a franchise model thinking we right. 50, 60 locations. So we're kind of selective. We don't try to exclude. We just try to listen to our customer needs and give them a solution that's not matching necessarily what they can afford, but what it actually takes to get them to a goal that they have. I got it. And and what do you think it is unique about custom creatives? Uh, because there's so many other marketing agencies out there, as you well know. I think one of the things marketing people are kind of like the necessary evil in some people's minds. And sometimes it's the necessity to the lifeblood of their business to increase it. So I think what we, what we're good at is, is, really meeting the customers where they are, empathizing towards their needs and goals, and really qualifying or disqualifying if they're ready for us or not. Okay. Um, we were, we've been in business for 18 years, um, so we've got some footing in the grounds. We've built a reputation. We're, so we're in business because I know a lot of the companies are fly-by-night in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it kind of puts a, a different spell on the marketing agency world. Uh, but I think the customers are starting to get a little bit more self-educated that they need just as good as we are good at offering our services. They need to be intelligent enough to learn how to buy the services as well. 
That's right. Because I mean, there are a lot of there's a lot of snake oil <laughs> being yep. sold being sold in 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 the marketing in the marketing niche. Um, what you know, you get to work with a lot of different people. What is it about your work that you enjoy the most? The the probably the diversity of of what we do, like a different challenge crops up every single day. So it keeps us on our feet. It doesn't create this illusion of boredom and too much repetitiveness. So the excitement of a challenge kind of wakes us all up. Um, so that's kind of fun. We, we kind of treat everything in sports analogies. Huh. Like we're, we're playing, like obviously I have a Laker hat on. Right. Um, it's like, we don't look at our customers as opponents. We look at the industry as just different. So how do we tackle the challenge of client acquisition in different customer journeys from immediate customers, from like when it's transactional to those long six, 12 month journeys that could be like personal injury attorneys. They may acquire a client right away, but their checks come in the mail 12, 16 months later with That's insurance right. companies. That's right. So so we kind of just understand like the long game of of each customers and the short run expectations. But that's what keeps this like fire lit and the burn going is just having fun doing exactly what we do, because it really, truly is like a sport to us. We're uh-huh. just in the game of business. So it's just a lot. of You just have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I mean, that's that, because I wouldn't do this if I didn't have fun, because I know a lot of people who hate what they do and they do it every day. And then that's ultimately right. you turn 80 and die. Uh, I don't want <laughs> I that. Know. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I, I was a, a trial lawyer for 20, for 22 years, tried a lot of civil cases, and I could just quit in 2000 after I, I earned my master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies. And I've never been happier. And I, that was 20, 23 years ago, I left the practice of law. Great decision. <laughs> I know, best decision I ever made. Um, what kind of advice would you give to young people that are that are starting out in business? And maybe maybe they're going to do, do a coaching practice or a client-based practice where they've got to acquire customers that are going to patience. work for them. It's just one word, patience. Everybody today has speed of execution, speed of success. They they want to be millionaires. And if it doesn't work out in a week, they start over and get <laughs> shiny object syndrome. Right. So I think the, the long game of patience, because today you'll never really meet somebody under like 40 that's worked a career like you. You mentioned 23 years or 22 years as a trial attorney. Right. You won't see resumes that long anymore. Their patience is like destroying their futures because they're switching too much. And therefore, it's going to kind of prevent them from getting good. They're never going to master something because if they say like a Jim Rohn may say it takes 10,000 hours to be a master of something, you only have five options in your life if you start long enough or early enough. Um, and if you never give something a chance, you'll just never be good at it. Cause I, I kind of look at it as like, think about going back to childhood when you're born as a boy, like you, you're, it takes you about 18 months before you can walk on your own two feet. Parents don't say, hey, after a week, this baby doesn't work. It's not walking. They nurture it. They give it <laughs> exactly time, correct. Right? So that's how we need to, the, the young people need to cha- like treat the business that way. But also not to sound corny again, is do something that you want to do. You yeah. have choices today. Like we're not going to college, graduate, and maybe get a job and go interview places. There's so much choice that you have with remoteness, AI technology. I mean, the world's moving at a fast pace. Um, but once you slow down and understand what you really want to do is just enjoy the, like everybody says, like a Jack mom, I say, enjoy the twenties, make all the mistakes in the world you possibly can explore thirties is when you're getting serious forties is when you need to know exactly what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life till retirement. So you get that clarity once you, once you kind of find that passion, find that rhythm. That's right. I think that's the secret too, is, is find something that you're really passionate about that you really love. And if you can't find that, um, keep looking until you do. And I would also tell people, don't chase the money. I did that for 22 years. And 
yeah, I made a lot of money, but I got divorced. I had a miserable life. I mean, and now I don't make nearly as much money and I'm totally happy. It yeah. Makes, it, it makes it, okay. it makes a big difference. Yeah. Cause happiness goes, doesn't go a long way when you're in the middle of it and you feel in the weeds and you're comparing to other people. Right. I mean, the only person you really need to compare to is just the person you look at in the mirror every day. That's right? exactly what right. makes that smile happen. Right. Cause it can be miserable and rich. It can be happy and rich. It could be broke in both those situations. It's just rather choose happy and whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly right. It makes all the difference in the world. I know plenty of centimillionaires and billionaires who are miserable, even though they've made buckets of money. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is it worth it? Not, not in my mind, mm -hmm. you know? So, so this show is called listening with leaders. I like to talk about listening. You're in a business where I would imagine listening is very important. Very important. Yes. <laughs> tell, tell, <laughs> tell me, I, it seems self, it seems self-evident, but, but tell me, tell me about how, how important, why is listening important in the work that you do and the work with your clients? Well, it's really understanding the, the the perspective of where somebody else is coming from, because while they we may be right, they may be wrong and vice versa, we're just trying to find a common ground that makes sense for a long-term relationship. So hearing both parties out, because I look at it maybe like a trial attorney, maybe not mm -hmm. like a trial attorney, maybe more like a mediator, even though I'm on one side, the client may be on the other side of the table, but I'm also the middleman at the exact same time. I'm just trying to make sure that both parties have a win-win scenario in all of our conversations, whether it's me to an employee and whether there could be some sort of conflict and we need to resolve it, or if there's going to be a conversation with a, a brand new prospect that we're talking to in the business world. Uh, we want to understand their perspective, make sure they feel heard, they feel understood, and then we carry a path forward because nobody ever likes to be demanded to, nobody ever likes to be yelled at or or count, it becomes counterproductive. And while there might be a winner and a loser, there's not a long-term relationship. It'll cause just too much friction in the long game. Yeah. How do you make sure that I, I love the idea of, of, especially with prospects, people who may be potential clients, making sure that they feel deeply heard. How do you go about doing that? Just asking really good questions. It took a long time to understand the customer because as the service provider, I want to solve their problems and jump down the throat through the phone or in person and just be like, this is going to work. This is awesome. This is it. But they don't know that they don't know me. They don't know that that's actually excitement and passion coming out. Right. But once we kind of take a step back and understand how to ask really good time-based questions to walk them through what's their problem, what's their current solutions that they've tried why is the timing important to them now? What will this open up for you in the long game of things? What happens if nothing changes and you continue down the same path? Like they feel like they can open up kind of not to say like a therapist to a, to a patient, but they feel really hurt and empowered that finally somebody can ask them the right questions to trigger their brain to think differently than the same old conversation. It's kind of like me asking you, and I didn't know you, like if I didn't know you at Starbucks and I said, hey, Doug, how are you? A natural reaction would probably be, good, how are you? And then what I'm also going to say is, doing well. Conversation dead. But if I said, <laughs> hey, Doug, what's the best thing that's happened to you so far today? Yeah. And I would say, you know, what would I say today? Oh, I hit some all-time best with my trainer today. I did, awesome. I did some like, awesome. What did you, did, what did you do? I did a... I yeah. It'll, it'll lead to there further you, conversation. There you right? go. Is what, yeah. So now, what now I, we have, we have a connection. There you go. So what I'll do, I'll I'll do it the same way, but I'll say, okay, so so 
Well, what was the best thing that happened? What's the best thing that's happened to you today? Today is a spring equinox. What's the best thing that's happened to you in this beautiful day before we get blasted with more rain tomorrow? I mean, can I say being on this podcast with you? Sure. So you're, you're pretty <laughs> yeah. excited. You're pretty excited. You're smiling. You're pretty excited and happy to be on the podcast. Exactly. I love and, it. I love and, doing podcasts. And you love doing podcasts and you love sharing your knowledge with people and sharing your wisdom. And, they, and when, exactly. when you do that, you feel really satisfied. Yeah. And, and the same goes true to whether it's having a conversation at Starbucks, whether it's talking to an employee, talking to a prospect, it's just the art and science of communication to make people feel good about themselves, right? Because it's easy to make people feel good. And it's also easy to make people feel bad. Which one of those people do you want to be, though? That's right. And I, I also think that the one thing that people do not get enough of, and they crave, is to be listened to it and really and validated at a really deep level. Mm-hmm. And when they can be validated at a really deep level, they you build instant trust, instant rapport, instant loyalty. Um, you convert prospects into clients. Um, and, and if you're dealing with an angry person, you can calm an angry person in 90 seconds or less. I mean, it's really powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what I that's what I love about what we do. It's it's solving big problems for for people that that wouldn't ordinarily be solved if they didn't come across a person like you or a person like me and what we right. do in our specialties. How do how do people find you? How do you mark? How, how do you how, how do you do you do you do you you follow your own sauce? Eat your own sauce. Yeah. And and surprise, surprise. Like that's one of the things that I always talk to prospects about is is like marketing agencies are shoemakers with no shoes for the most most part. (laughs) Right. So so they don't they like the way I see another marketing company is like first of all, with us, we will only offer something if we do it for our own business. That's just I think should be a law, it should be the rule, but unfortunately it's not. Um, but the, what, when a marketing company doesn't do marketing, but will sell it to you, that just means they're saying, Hey, I don't want to risk my own money on it. Cause I don't know if it works, but if you have money to spend on it, it works for you. So it's good enough for you, but not enough for me. So that's not really how we operate. We need to know with evidence that we will be willing to put our own money where our mouth is to make sure things work. And quite frankly, that's how we go from cold to soul. That's how we go from a cold prospect to somebody in our, in our email list, to our Facebook group, to our LinkedIn, to our like ecosystem in general. Mm -hmm. So we can actually give a customer journey to somebody like in today's world, we have to stand above the noise in every industry because it's competitive everywhere and jobs are getting lost by, by, by big, huge companies. What are they going to do? They're all going to be consultants. They're all going to go work from home. So everything's getting more and more competitive. So the way we rise above is deliver superior value up front give our knowledge and playbooks away totally for free so somebody can self-operate them. But if they need our help, that's when they buy our time. They buy our execution. Right. Kind of like if you had Tom Brady's playbook, you're not going to win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> but if you, if you, if you were right. young and if you were young, you were fly, like with your workouts and whatnot, and you had Bill Belichick and you had all the, the coaches around you, you have a, a, a probability of success to operate that playbook. A lot better. They, it's, a, it's a difference between the DIY mentality and hiring a coach or, or uh, experts that can really guide you through the process. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's the same thing in my business. I mean, I can you can read my books and you can go to my website and read all about how to listen. But until you until you really get a coach who can show you what it's really all about, um, you know, you're going to struggle. Because a lot of people, I, 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 well, this is an interesting question. Have you met you? Have you met many people that really don't know how to listen? 
Yeah. They jump down your throat. They interrupt you. Right. Um, when you give them good advice, they deny that advice and say they tried it and it doesn't work. So yeah, a hundred percent. There's a lot of people like that. They're just not self-aware. They probably don't have a coach. <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't have a coach and they've never learned how to listen. And so they become, they either get distracted or they become reactive and, and they, and they're their own worst enemies. And I, these are people who probably get into arguments and fights that are unnecessary. They probably are not nearly as successful as they could be because they haven't learned this essential skill. It's an ego thing too, too big of an ego to have the loudest voice in the room. I mean, the goal is to not be the smartest man in the room. And if you are, then you're in the wrong room. Uh, that's exactly right. If I, I, I would much prefer to be quiet and be the stupid one in the room and be around a lot of smart people and listen to them and learn that have to be the guy that sits at the head of the table and talks to everybody. That's what homeowners association meetings are for. Everybody, <laughs> everybody wants to talk. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I remember in the day, I mean, uh, the, the, yeah, the homeowners association, there is nobody has accountability or responsibility, but they got all the power, right? So <laughs> exactly. So they can do, they can, do, they can, they can exercise their power with impunity. And, and, and uh, it's just, yeah, that's kind of a, a classic a classic problem. <laughs> so what do you do with people when, let's say you're within your, within your organization, your company, custom creatives, um, how do you manage disagreements when people disagree with a, uh, an approach or an idea? Well, I mean, we don't, we don't necessarily have too many disagreements. Oh, good. I mean, we have conversations of like, there's going to be times where it's like, I want to do it my way. They want to do it a slightly different way. And our happy medium is because we're marketers do both. Right. May the better man win. And then if we do, <laughs> the other person just says, cool. We, I mean, that's what marketing is. It's a matter of optimizing and testing strategies. Right. Otherwise we don't, we don't have the crystal ball. So um, that's really kind of like the, the main thing is just the ability to just kind of come on a common ground. And um, if, if one person's not identifiably correct, just do both, try both ways. Have you, um, have you ever had to engage in a difficult conversation with anybody? Yeah. I mean, we've terminated people. It sucks. I don't like doing it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that would be a difficult conversation when you, yeah. get I mean, there's been outside of work talk. Like, I mean, with, with like family, friends with money loans and you mm -hmm. like false promises, there's definitely those difficult conversations, but I mean, as long as you get comfortable in those difficult situations, they no longer become difficult. They become something just of normal second nature, human communication. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you conduct those conversations so that they um, are turn out the way that you want? I start off with just the very direct approach. I have a very difficult conversation that's been on my mind that I'd like to have with you. Is it something that you're available for me right now? Okay. And they say, yeah, I just set it up. I set it up and I say, here it is. And I, I try to present it as if it's worse than it is. So when it's received, it's not so bad. Right. Right. Interesting. And then, and then you just let the other person talk and listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I if I'm in control and it's and I'm in the driver's seat from this conversation, then yeah, it's all about listening to their perspective. Because if I'm trying to find if my goal is to pick up the phone or have that conversation, it's difficult. Then I need to see what's causing them fear and anxiety from communicating with me. Yeah, um, now on the opposite end, me personally, I like to get in front of problems as best as I possibly can by just being in front of them, just, just addressing them before they become like a, like if I have a cavity, I'm like, I prefer not to let it become an extraction. Right. It's easy for if you wait long enough, it's 
it's going to get, nobody forgot about it. It's still there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so you try to take that head on as quickly as possible. Cause we know when we avoid those calls or that client or whomever, whatever scenario it is, we know that it didn't go away just because you missed a call and they didn't call back in the next day and didn't disappear. <laughs> That's <laughs> you still right. have to address it. It just ultimately gets worse and worse That's if right. it goes on for too long. Yeah. You can't, you can't avoid them forever. You're going to, bad things are going to happen. Well, so, so you've got some really great listening skills. You've got a lot of experience in listing. You see the importance of it. How well, how well are you able to take those skills and use them at home? Oh, I use them all the time. So, good for you. <laughs> I use them all the time. Um, so, so uh, yeah, because I mean, that's the, I mean, I, I've, I've read and listened to lots of uh, leadership books and persuasion books and communication books. And I mean, it works in social settings. It's not like it's a tactic and a strategy. It's just like a preferred way of communication. Or a way of being. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you embody it once you live it and breathe it for so long. That's right. Um, it just becomes part of your life. That's, I mean, I, that's a really nice way to put it because that's when I'm teaching people these skills, I'm saying you want to get to the place where this is just absolutely part of who you are. It's habitual and you all, you're always a listener and you always, because you're listening, you always know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, no matter how intense the situation and you'll never be thrown, you'll never be thrown a curveball. So. Yeah. And I think with, with your experience and, and some of the difficulties of running a business as an entrepreneur, there's obviously anxiety, headaches, sleepless nights. Oh I yeah. Mean, already being in extreme difficult situations makes a lot like the worst the situation you 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 can be in you have to look at it as a learning process because things in the future will become that much easier it won't phase you it won't like catch you off guard as quickly so it does take experience of of things that happen in your life that will make it stronger and the learning lesson might not be right in front of you you know it might come out of you months or years later right but to your point it's the challenges and the disagreements that cause you to learn the most and the failures. I, I, you know, I even harking back to my trial days, I learned more from my, from the very few trials I lost. I could tell you every trial I lost. I that I could tell you every trial that I won. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, it, I just it, don't it, remember it, them. It's, it's always incremental improvement. That's why. I mean, that's right. That's, that's why Michael Jordan posters exist, how he missed that many game winning shots, that many, and, and how the story goes, but he just goes down in history as one of the best. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at uh, that young woman, Michaela Schifrin, who just wiped out all kinds of records as a ski, uh, you know, or a US skier, mm -hmm. a female skier. She fails more than she succeeds, but she's still, her, her winning average is a little better than Tiger Woods, but not by much. I mean, think about that. I mean, she won out of, 50 or 60 races she raced this year she won 18 uh, think That's think about level. the think about the win loss ratio and remember there those women are such intense athletes they are winning and losing by tenths hundreds of a second hundreds of a second i think she placed third in the super g the other day and the difference between third and first was less than eight tenths of a second and they're risking breaking every bone in their body while That's they're doing right. it. <laughs> they're, hauling it. They're hauling ass at 85 to 95 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, there's a statistic about Tom Brady's uh, ratio of our probability of winning a Super Bowl is better than Steph Curry's probability of making a three-pointer. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy, but I mean, mm -hmm. but it all, it, it really all comes down to training and experience and making mistakes learning from your mistakes and uh, patience, discipline, persistence, just what we were talking about at the top of the interview, where, where you've got to stick with it. 
and you've got to be willing to, ha to have a really intense work ethic and and stick through it through all the failures no matter what and you know success will be yours if you're willing to do that not that's a hard lesson for people to learn especially your kids um, it, it is i mean i think i mean they, they take it for granted i mean it's one of those like they're going to burn their hand and take that advice later i mean the right. sooner you can actually really understand it successful people always tell it to you it must it, just believe it to be true because you can't avoid the hard work. That's right. Uh, only a certain amount of people are going to win the lottery and we can't really devote our lives to luck. No, 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 no. You got it. Yeah, that, absolutely correct. And I, I don't know. I think there's been a, I don't know, it might be too harsh, but I think there's been a real failure in our educational system to hold kids more accountable for learning. I'm not sure whether I'm, yeah, I think so. I mean, because I, I know that I'm the chair of our local law school, and we watch the entering classes, and it's amazing they come up, they come to us with college degrees, and they can't write. I mean, so where's the breakdown? Served, yeah, I mean, the people who serve this to me, Starbucks yeah. Coffee, graduated from University of Boulder and other private schools, and it's like, well, you're in a mountain of debt, and you have no skill. I mean, if you have the skill to make a fancy coffee, I'm just regular coffee. But if you can make a frappuccino, you got some skill in you. It's right. just unfortunate that your university was willing to take the money out of your bank, but not deliver you the the result you needed in ROI, like having right. a life that you want, not right. a Starbucks. Um, yeah, being a barista, right? But but even then, you you got knowledge, or and you have hopefully have learned how to acquire knowledge. That has that's a valuable skill right there. So now go out and apply it. But, Not too many people are. I mean, if we looked I at like, that would be a whole different podcast is talking about the educational system and and because I there's more accountability in high school where if you don't show up to high school, they'll rat you out and tell your parents. You could right. don't go, show up to college. They don't even know your name anyways. That's right. That's right. That's right. And you pay them. <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of time. So. Exactly. Well, I got one more question for you, Rahul. Um, what's the one thing? that we would not know about you unless you revealed it to us. The one thing that you wouldn't know about me is that my true passion that I wanted to do, which, which I wish I could do a little too old now is I never wanted to intended to go to college, never intended to even really finish even high school. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Um, and then I went down the sheep route, the, the cultural parents belief system, high school, college job. Um, so, so unfortunately I did that route, um, do going in that route, had a, had a couple injuries, which prevented me from doing the graduation thing to a possible soccer career. But anyways, that's, what's driven who I am today huh. in terms of, uh, not willing to fail doing what I want when I want for me, not, not meaning like breaking rules or anything, but if I want something in my life that I'm going to have to deal with the repercussions with, I'm making that decision for me. No third party will make my decisions. Good for you. And that's a great story. Thanks so much for showing up, Rahul. Thank you for having me. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. 
If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Knoll. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.